Everybody, welcome back again to Make Impact Movement podcast series, the podcast series that aims to inspire and motivate social adventurers to go out and make the world a better place. I'm here with Dan Duster, uh, a man that's very humble, but he has uh, done a lot of things uh, around Chicago, around social impact work. I actually heard about him from someone else that I sat down and had coffee with. So I'm just really interested in digging into his story, uh, his background, and really what motivates him to go out and communities uh, around Chicago to basically make them better and make people more self-sufficient. So how's it going, Dan? How you feeling? Hey, I'm blessed and uh, appreciative. Thank you for having me on the show, Marcus. I appreciate you. That's awesome. And and it's, it is to note, Dan's over at 530, so I'm not sure if people know, uh, you, if you're not from Chicago, the traffic here is crazy. And uh, so I'm not sure how your trip was over here. I know that on the Dan Ryan, north to south is insane. So brother you know you can plan for it but then you, you just gotta uh, do a better job so yeah it took, took longer than i expected <laughs> okay thank you uh so we're going to start off with dan sharing uh, about his background uh anything that you feel is important that people need to know about like you what draw what, what created you as a human being what drives your your work your social impact work in chicago or any, anywhere else that you've done similar work so sure sure so a few things. Uh, it took me a while to, to figure it out. I, I turned 50 this year. And, oh, you don't look 50. Uh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I got, got the new dude. Uh, so uh, the first oh, 30 years, so my, uh, my family history is uh, my father's grandmother, my great-grandmother's mm-hmm. Ida B. Wells. Wait, and your grandmother's, your grandmother's who? Ida B. Wells. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. you're a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little so, celebrity. So, yeah, so that, that has a lot to do with, with, with who I am and, and my, my efforts for social justice, making making a, a social impact. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until later on in the Delta, because a lot of people say, hey, wow, you were I'd be Will's great-grandson, you know, did you sit around and have stories about her? And uh, the answer is no. Yeah. Um, it was more about me being uh, Donald Duster's son or Maxine Porter Duster's son mm-hmm. uh, versus the great-grandson of I.B. Wells. Now, come to find out later, talking to my father again, it's um, it's my father's mother's mother who's Ida B. Wells. I was about to say like how you connected to her, but you're direct descendant. Direct, yeah. So uh, specifically, Ida had four children, uh, the youngest being Alfreda, mm-hmm. and Alfreda had five children. The middle child being Donald. Donald had three children. The youngest one being Daniel. So that's, and that's you. That's the lineage. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, Talking, talking to my father about uh, the values that were passed down, mm-hmm. um, and these were intentional, uh, the values were intentionally passed down, and those, there's about five or six of them. One is integrity, uh, the value for education, uh, the value for family, mm-hmm. uh, giving back to the community, um, making a contribution to society, and uh, doing your best for lack of a better term is... My father's siblings all graduated either valedictorian or salutatorian from high school. So that's both education and, and doing your best. Um, Did you also graduate? No, I, I, I was more social. I was more social. So I was You're class cool president, guy. but no, I was not the smartest one in the high school. So uh, that was one of the values that, that was that was passed down. Mm-hmm. Was education was important. And uh, so of my grandmother's, her five children all went to college, all have advanced degrees, all of them. 
that generation's children. So I'm one of 15 grandchildren on that side. Mm -hmm. All of us went to college. And so that was normal. So education was education still. Was, it, was, it, was, it was not pressure. Mm -hmm. It was not, you better do this. It was like, what are you going to do after college? It was a normal conversation. Like, you know, what yeah. are you going to do over the weekend? You know, what are you going to do for the summer? What are you going to do after college? You know, that was normal for us. Mm -hmm. um, as was being concerned about the community. Is uh, my grandmother again? Ida B. Wells was all about the community and, and social rights and civil rights and women's mm -hmm. suffrage movement. Passed that on to um, especially her daughter and her daughter in different ways. All of my dad's siblings were involved in some type of social impact program. I know. So this is sort of kind of random, but are you kind of excited about Wells Creek being renamed after her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, things worked out very well for that. So were you behind that? No, I was. Okay. I, I was. I, I wish I could take credit for it, but no. Um, Alderman Sophia King, and Alderman uh, Riley um, did a lot to had a lot to do with that. My sister was on the committee to do with it, um, but yeah, I, I did not have much direct involvement. But what was beautiful about it that they looked at renaming Balboa um, after uh, to Ida B. Wells Drive, but the Italian American community uh, was somewhat up in arms about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. So they looked for a different street and. Does it fit well? <laughs> hey, man, I mean, so it worked out perfectly where mm -hmm. Congress Parkway didn't offend anybody and it was bigger and better. Yeah, big, so, that's, a, that's, a, that's an artery yeah. for downtown for sure, yeah. So very, very proud of that. And that's just, um, I think Wells has just gotten a lot more recognition in the past several years. And mm -hmm. so as a result, uh, a lot of my myself and especially my sister have gotten a lot more recognition and speaking requests. Uh, to talk about Ida B. Wells, her impact on the city and and America and, and the world, which is huge. Yeah, I, I mean, I know in America's for sure, mm -hmm. in terms of suffrages, like her name is, you know, if you're talking about like uh, 19th century, you're talking about Ida B. Wells and Sojourner Truth and other uh, black feminists that did not give a dang and they, they spoke there at their feet. So, oh man, I mean, so that's what gives me my my, my courage, my my confidence, and my humbleness mm -hmm. is I think about what she did. And the challenges and danger that she faced, I ain't going through nothing. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I appreciate what she did, and I draw strength from it by all means. Okay. So you grew up in a strong family uh, that pushed—not push, but education was the norm. Mm -hmm. Like you had to go to school. You already knew that. Uh, so once you got out of college, what did you do in Chicago uh, or anywhere else around social justice, social impact? So I was in sales out of college. I worked for mm -hmm. IBM and added a few other companies. And uh, when I was with IBM, we had an adopt school program where we went to Corliss and talked about uh, resume writing, mm -hmm. interviewing skills, and so forth. When I left IBM, I still wanted to do something with that community, but I knew the job training was not the key. So yeah. I developed yep. my own curriculum. Instead of job readiness, I said, let's do life readiness. Let's talk about goal setting, self-esteem, positive attitude. Conflict resolution stuff that was normal in my household. Mm -hmm. You know, dealing with the next generation, I saw that they needed to have that dialogue, and so I created that and did that from '92 to '96 with high school students, and then I moved out to the D.C. area for about five years and kind of let that fall to the wayside. Mm -hmm. When I came back to Chicago in '01 to start my own business, uh, I'm blessed where I had some friends who were teachers or principals, and I was able to get in their schools and do the programs there. And did a phenomenal job, and then uh, took it to some other schools. Uh, took it from high schools down to grade schools. Were you a one-man show? Pretty much. Oh wow! So I'd, I'd, I'd connect with some other people if I got a big contract, but typically, I'd go in do one program per week and up to mm -hmm. four, four classes. So I try and 
you know, book as many classes as I could for that one day, but seeing the students once a week for up to 10 weeks. It, was this at one school or multiple schools you were doing this, especially at your height, at your prime? Yeah, multiple schools. Oh, wow. So, and most, I started on the south side in the 90s. When I came back, it was primarily on the west side. But I did some things in Inglewood and Harper High School, mm -hmm. uh, Nash Elementary School, ACT Charter School, Austin High School. So, uh, uh, probably up to upwards of 20 schools, 20 different schools okay. during the 2000s. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it sounds like at some point you may transition to other work. Yeah, yeah. So fortunately, I've always had multiple streams of income. And, and you get like you. So that's we're gonna talk offline about that. But I've been I just talked to someone earlier about this, like you know, being a serial, a serial entrepreneur, mm -hmm. being able to establish these different uh, areas where you have all this money coming in, because that's going to be the the primary way that we as you know minorities begin to uh, establish a foundation for ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. So I talked to years ago. Uh, I was hesitant to utilize IB Wells as a speaking platform to, to be paid for it. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a person who was the president of the National Speakers Association out of Minnesota. And he said, and this is stuck with me, he's like, doing well by doing good is, is okay. Yeah. And it just, it, I, I, I liked the way that felt. I was like, you know what, it, it's okay to do good and do well by doing so. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so, um, so that's number one. Secondly is, as I shared with you, my, my first part of my career was in sales. Mm -hmm. And so as an entrepreneur, whether I'm speaking about Ida B. Wells or a life readiness program, first thing I got to do is sell it. Exactly. And so <laughs> I've always had the sales acumen. And I mean, since I was a kid, which uh, I remember, you know, what you're not supposed to do, but selling fireworks, <laughs> um, driving to Indiana and, and getting a, a gross bottle rocket. Mark Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it works. So I, that's always been in me as well. Which, again, mm -hmm. The, the more money that I make, the more lives I can impact. Oh, yeah. Is that uh, the first part of 2000, I, I came from making six, figure, six figures in 99 and 2000. And 2001, I made, for my time, my W-2 was literally $4,200. Oh, wow. How, how did you and, eat? Man, I was so humbled. I, lived, <laughs> I, I moved back with my folks as okay. a 30-plus-year-old man. And I uh, was humble, which I thought was going to take a few months, took a few years. Mm -hmm. So I moved back in July of 01, which was just before 9-11. Uh, and so some of the training contracts that I expected to get, they're like, nah, we're, we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got trained and certified on different things. Uh, Neuro-linguistic programming that uh, Anthony Robbins, a lot of other speakers mm -hmm. talked about. Strategic planning, conflict resolution. Uh, a jack of all trades you became. Yeah, I mean, so I wanted, I wanted to be able to do both. To be, to be able to do a dynamic keynote speech, mm -hmm. equally important is have a workshop or coaching that I could do for individuals to make it to make it stick. Because what happens, and what what I've done is, you know, you go to a great speech, you feel great, you feel wonderful, you're, you're hyped, yep. and that's on Friday. You go do something on Saturday, Sunday rolls around, you don't do much, Monday happens, and you get back to doing the same thing you've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have some systems oh, in place I you mean. so that people can actually make a sustainable change mm -hmm. based on what I'm talking about. And again, not that I, what I say is, is unique or special, but the more that I read about different motivation, the more I realized most people are saying the same thing just in a slightly different yeah. nuance. And that's fine, is that the way I'm gonna say it is gonna make a difference for you and it may not make a difference for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly fine. Is that took me a while to get comfortable with as well, is knowing that I may not affect everybody in the room, but I'm going to affect the right person in, 
looking for the right people in the room. So yeah, so you you look. So it's not a matter of tailoring. It sounds like it's a matter of you just. So how is your technique different? I know I'm not sure if it's like a secret or not. So not, not a secret. The, the the secret that I discovered is being authentic and vulnerable. Hmm. Is that when I used to speak from, hey, you can do it, and a rah-rah mm-hmm. standpoint, didn't work as well. When I can say, I've been there, I, I made $4,200 in one year, and I was, I, I also tore my Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in my life, I was somewhat physically and financially dependent on somebody else. And so to be in that situation and have that mindset of, I need help. Yeah. And I've got to seek it. And I've still got to hustle. But I've got to ask for help. And asking for help, brother, is something that people in general don't do. And black men in particular I was about to say, don't do a good enough job of it. That's so, literally what I was about to say. Yeah, so being able to speak about those experiences mm-hmm. and those experiences of, man, being told no again and again. I mean, when I, I came out of college, I, I was with IBM, mm-hmm. Abbott, and Coca-Cola, three of the best branded names in the yeah. business. And so then I had my own company, 3D Development Group. And if people told me no on that, then it was personal because like it's not IBM. I mean, 3D Development Group is Dan Duster. Yeah. So you're telling me no twice. Yeah. And it's it, it it's hurtful. I mean, That's funny because I mean <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, hopefully people are listening to this and kind of picking up. But personally, me, I'm where you at. I'm where kind of where you at where you were at some point back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Uh, and it's funny that you're coming in and you keep hearing all these no's. You're like, man, is it me? Mm-hmm. Am I the one that, is, do I have a deficit? Am I coming up short in some area? You know, am I not uh, coming across the way I want to? Sure. Uh, but I think that I, I tend not to tell people this stuff and mm-hmm. keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can actually use that as a springboard to connect with people, to not even motivate people, but to uh, have people understand that they're not so alone, mm-hmm. it helps to give them that additional drive. And they come back and say, okay, well, Dan went through, Dan went through this also. I'm going through this, and I'll be okay because he's okay at some point. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, one of the biggest things is what you talked about. It, it, it's it's mindset, mm-hmm. which is how mindset and confidence go hand in hand. Yeah. And so, my experience again, having stayed with my folks, um, I was using my father's phone. His name is Donald. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd be making cold calls or whatever, and then talking to people, and it'd be like, well, "Hold up, is your name Dan or Donald?" folks and so I was like all right I, I can overcome this so mm-hmm. called um, whatever uh, AT&T whatever the phone company was and was like look change the change it to a business line mm-hmm. so it'll say 3d development group so cool they did it so start I started getting the bills for 3d development group making the same phone calls but now I'm, I'm like cool I'm it's 3d development group showing up mm-hmm. so I've got the confidence Literally, sales go up about eighty percent within six months. That's awesome, and I'm I'm rolling. So mm-hmm. things are going well. Another three months later, somebody's like, you know, making the same calls and saying like, "So hold up, dude, is your name Daniel or Donald?" So what happened? So they changed the billing. They didn't change the caller ID. Ah. Uh... So it's still showing up as Donald, but in my mind. It's saying 3D development group. So my mind, my confidence, my attitude mm-hmm. is completely changed because I think it's saying something different. Yeah. But what people are seeing isn't different. But the way they're receiving me is different because of the way I'm projecting myself. Which, as we we all know that, you know, when you want interviews, when you speak to people, the way you exude 
people respond to that, right? No matter whatever defects or whatever deficits you think you have, if you don't show them, people are not going to pick up on them or they're not going to fixate on them mm -hmm. when you're talking to them. Absolutely. Uh, so at some point, you get pretty well established. It sounds like you're, mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're good now. I'm blessed. So you begin to transition back into uh, social justice, social impact work. What is that like? What what form does it take now at this point? So that, that is and always always will be a component of what I do. Mm -hmm. The challenge is the revenue behind that. Yeah. So speaking openly is yeah. You know, because I know a lot of other people are like, hey, I've got a story to tell. I want to do, I want to do motivational speaking. I'm like, cool, but don't quit your day job. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. A regular paycheck is a wonderful thing. So do whatever you're going to do on the side and build that until your job becomes an interruption for what you're I wish I would have known that two years right. ago. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Marcus, yeah. 90% of my advice is do as I say, not as I did. Yeah. <laughs> I've made a whole bunch of mistakes, and I share that with people. Mm -hmm. Is you know, Like I said, walking away from a six-figure job sounds glorious, sounds magnificent, and that's dumb. Sounds pretty keep, badass. I, I want to keep, keep the job as long as you. No, can. you're right though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you make better decisions when you got mm -hmm. revenue flowing in. Then you can make better informed decisions and better quality decisions based on I don't have to worry about this. And again, I'm not demeaning anything because I've been there. So man, I got to make two hundred fifty dollars because I don't want this to be cut off. Yeah. Versus if I got that flow of seven thousand a month after taxes, that's a, a completely different mindset. And one thing I hadn't thought about in, in the same, I guess, uh, uh, in hindsight, is that how can you fund your business? How can you fund your operations? And even right. if you're running a consultancy, you still have to live. You have to subsist mm -hmm. until it picks up and becomes completely sustainable itself. So how do you go about doing it if you don't have the revenue coming in? It's difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult, I would it's, imagine. It's, yes. I mean, that, that, the short answer is it's difficult. The long answer is you find ways to do it, find ways to barter. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, with other companies that are, are just starting out where, you know, and again, at this point, age and stage, I've, I've been blessed where, again, at the NLP course that I took, mm -hmm. they allowed me to uh, pay on an installment plan that was $4,000 that I, I was able to pay over two years. Mm -hmm. And so I do that for other people. That's awesome. And, and so, um, so that's one thing is, is again, that, that experience of being humble and having to ask for help was one of the most powerful things that I've been through. It, it's, it's uh, for me, and I guess I can't speak for you, but I'm only thinking about my experience. Because right now, to be frank, like I live with my siblings. Mm -hmm. They took me in and said, look, you figure things out. Uh, but to think you're something like you're, you know, you're in high demand or you're like, very intelligent and you're, you know, you're, you got it. And to not have people respond to you the way you want to and to lose everything. Right. It, it really changes your world perspective, your worldview, how you see the world and how you uh, explore the world. You know, you 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 learn that, you know, you're not the, the best things to slice bread and mm -hmm. uh, you need to figure out how then to make it, your, your, yourself more stronger, your confidence more strong. Uh, it's it, you read a, it, it's a process of redefining yourself. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I've been going through it for the last, you know, maybe 18 months or so. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not an easy process, but it sounds like if you know anybody like myself were to stick it out, it would come out on your end. Absolutely, absolutely. And so going back, so tying it back into social impact mm -hmm. is Marcus. One of the best things that I do is give advice. Yeah. And so I used to be very irritated when people would ask me to speak for free. Um, 
the motivational speaking business is one of the least appreciated businesses as far as time and mm-hmm. value. I can see that. Oh, I mean, so people say you're motivated. Oh, can you come speak at my church? Can you come speak at my school? Can, we don't have any money, but we'll give you lunch. I'm like that. That uncover again when I'm trying to pay bills. That un- that uncover my gas money. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so people don't do that to somebody who paints. Oh, you got a painting coming? Come paint my school, you know, and you'll get some references. People come see how, how well the paint job is. Mm-hmm. They, they don't do that. But for speaking, they they for for speakers, and again, that's one of the common things that speakers go through is. How do you decide what you're going to still do for free? And I, I've got my, met, my my metrics to say, okay, I'll do X amount for free, mm-hmm. X amount per month, so that I won't go over X number of hours. And when it's my target market, which is you. Okay, I'm about to ask you, what, what, you know, who was your target market? Yeah, some so, people, huh? Yeah, so speaking to youth, and again, this is why I say the social impact thing is it makes a difference, is that when you are a mentor to somebody, when you advise somebody else, mm-hmm. and... Most people that I talk to actually give very good advice, myself included. Yeah, I would imagine. When I take that advice, when I actually do what I'm telling somebody else to do, mm-hmm. I do very well. The challenge is, I know I don't, and I know most other people that, that I know don't take their own advice often enough. No. They don't stick to, to most people know what to do in order to, in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, patience, persistence, perseverance, you need to do X amount of things per day, make X number of phone calls you know, X number of visits, and here's what it's going to take to be successful. And we get out, and depression is real, too, whether, no. it's, medic- whether it's medically diagnosed yeah, or not. Yeah, absolutely. But you get into a rut, and if you don't mentally feel like it, then it makes it, it makes an impact on you. Mm-hmm. And so taking my own advice about how to overcome depression or those obstacles, and I've got a whole program that I do called Metrics for Success. Mm-hmm. And Metrics is motivation, expectations, tracking, resilience, integrity, Communication and structure, mm-hmm. and the resilience thing is is key. That you know, is be, the foundation for anything that you're doing with anybody. Anything in life. Yes. You, you're going to be told no. You're not going to get your way sometimes. How do you respond to that? Yep. As an entrepreneur, as a person for social impact, things are not going to go your way frequently. Yep. How do you pick yourself up and say I'm I'm still doing this again tomorrow? And I just met a young lady. Oh, geez, I can't remember her name, but she was instrumental in. University of Chicago Hospital adding their um, their not urgent care but uh, critical care their, their um, when you get shot their trauma center oh yeah the trauma center yeah, uh, and so she just told the story of her siblings one or two siblings being shot now she didn't want that to happen to anybody else mm-hmm. and she got up, up every day and mobilized and boycotted and marched mm-hmm. and did everything she could and uh, I guess two years ago you see opened up their trauma reopened their trauma trauma unit and yep. largely do their earnings so that's the resilience that we need is that you know it's not resilience for a day it's, it's, it's not confidence for a moment mm-hmm. it's getting up every day when you don't feel like it uh, when you're tired when you're dejected and still doing what it takes what, what it takes to be successful I feel like that's gonna be the quote of this podcast episode because, I mean, again, like, uh, I think as a motivational speaker, people say these things, mm-hmm. but it's all, it, you need to be reminded that that's literally what you, what it takes to be successful. Not like monetarily, mm-hmm. like mentally, physically, you have to, uh, when you're not in the mood to eat right, when you're not in the mood to work out, when you're not in the mood to go and work on your business, you have to push past that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's, it's easier said than done. 
but I do have one more question before we transition to the second uh, segment. How do you think your motivational speaking right now is is impacting young people that you're speaking to? Are they being do you see any uh, any outcomes, any positive outcomes from you going in talking to maybe a classroom more audio, auditorium size, uh, auditorium of young people? Like, what do you what are some of the, 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 the benefits of it that you see? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, candidly and humbly, I'm saying for the past probably since '08, I've done just a, a much better job of connecting with the audience. Mm-hmm. And one of the, your key things as a motivational speaker is to make it about them and not about you. And so me being vulnerable mm-hmm. and transparent about my struggles and the fact that, you know, here's what I did. I, you know, lived with my folks and that went through that trying to date at a 30 some year old man talking about, well, we can't go to my place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, oh, you, 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 I mean, so anybody high school and above is going to be able to connect to that. Uh-huh. You're like, wow, you know, you, you decided to do that. I'm, I, I did it. I, I made the sacrifice because mm-hmm. I knew my long term goal. And so, you know, being able to connect to people and just talk about the, the, the metrics for success. And I can spend literally an hour on any one of those topics, motivation, expectations, right? Mm-hmm. I can spend an hour on any of those. And I'll see what, what the crowd responds to and spend a solid 30 minutes on, on at least one. Because uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that you, I've realized over the years is trying to throw too much information to somebody, they're going to not retain much of, of yep. everything. So you pick one thing and drive deep on it. You listen to any of the speakers, uh, whether it's a preacher on TV or the, the church uh, preacher who's going to say the same thing mm-hmm. for 30 minutes, and they'll use three or four different stories to drive it home. Especially on social media like Facebook, tons, mm-hmm. tons of motivational speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is that very, that very principle, like, hey, if you want to work hard, if you want to get somewhere, work hard, and here are the reasons why you should do it. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you don't get there. It's what happens when you think you're doing it. You're not doing it, though. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, just like I said, the, the past probably 12 years, making sure that I make it about the audience, making sure that I continue to be vulnerable and transparent about uh, my struggles and my achievements. Again, through through college, through through the 90s, man, I was blessed and lucky where most of anything that I did, I was successful yep. at. Yeah. And that's a difficult place to speak from when you're trying to motivate people who are going through Yep. God put me those through those situations that I can relate mm-hmm. through most anything when, when people are going through challenges. Like, I've been there mentally, physically, financially, where you need help and you don't know what's going to happen. And it, it, that blessing comes not from directly something that you did, but, you know, a lot of times we do an event or an action and expect a blessing to happen like that. Yep. Instead of saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm planting seeds everywhere that I'm supposed to mm-hmm. and doing what I'm supposed to. And I know that my harvest is going to come. Mm-hmm. And so that's the mindset that, that we have to have instead of saying, I'm watering this one seed and it better grow tomorrow. No, you do, do plant your harvest, uh, plant, plant your seeds, your harvest will come. I agree. And th- I'll say this and then I think we should transition. Sure. Especially as, as black men or black women, black people, uh, we're coming from a position economically of disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Mostly, and so we have to be able to plant those seeds and, 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 and move and not be so fixated on it coming to harvest right then and there because it odds are it won't. Correct, and that's so nice transition into um, why well, I transition into financial services. Mm-hmm. Is that um, again, I, I know God's given me certain gifts, and one of them is of influence, mm-hmm. is that I have the ability to influence, and I take that seriously and I use it for good. So yeah. I'm not going to scam somebody. 
Um, there's good influence and there's bad influence. I choose to purposely focus on good influence. And what you just said is, you know, in our communities, we don't know, we're not taught how to plan for the future. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, middle class or lower middle class, they plan for the weekend. They plan for three days from now. Yep. The wealthy plan for three generations. Yes. And so helping our people, and again, I'm particular to people of color. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll happily help anybody, but again, we're, the, the, there's been a financial gap in, between blacks and people of color. Mm -hmm. And instead of maintaining or decreasing, it's getting bigger. Yep. So the, the wealthier are getting more wealth, and those without wealth ain't getting much more at all. Especially here in Chicago. Right. And so how do we wealth. change that? And there's, mm -hmm. there are different vehicles to do that. Um, life insurance is one of them. I just had a, a friend of mine who passed two weeks ago in a house fire. And he's doing well. I, I, he was making six figures. Mm -hmm. And there's a GoFundMe page for him. Uh, take care of his, 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 his funeral services. Yeah. And it, again, it's just, that's it's a travesty that, that he died in, in the house where it's more tragic that they didn't have the planning in place to pass on wealth to the next generation and the next generation. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, that we need to start doing. Again, it was we couldn't do it, you know, 150 years. We couldn't do life insurance. Yeah. We couldn't get life insurance. Um, now we're able to, but we still have the mentality, particularly for that, is that it's burial insurance or I don't leave my family too many expenses insurance. Mm -hmm. Literally half of the black folks I talk to are like, I'm good on insurance. I got, and that, that number is going to be between 10 and 25,000. I'm good. So I, I got my, my funeral covered and I'm good. I'm mm -hmm. like, you got a mortgage. Yeah. How much is your mortgage? Uh, you know, I got about a 175 left. So if you're gone and your income is gone, how's your income going to replace, going to be replaced so your family can stay in that house and it can pass on to the next generation? Is that real estate? is one of the ways mm -hmm. that people pass on wealth as well. And if we don't have our real estate financially protected, we lose it. Yep. And so, you know, we, we, our community has a lot to, to do as far as financial education, financial appreciation one, mm -hmm. and then uh, education so that we educate ourselves, but not only ourselves, but the next generation and pass on that knowledge and wealth to the next generation and the next generation. Sounds like your work thus far can be summed up in two areas. So yeah, young people, it's about building that resiliency, developing them develop that, that, that mindset they, they, they need to go forward and uh, be successful. And then on the opposite end, for people who are adults and already have established families to begin to do things to secure that future for their children, for their progeny, mm -hmm. for generations to come. It, it's all beautiful. So it's, it, it's this transition from, okay, well, I'm gonna make sure that you have the mindset and you're resilient to be successful. And then once you get there, here are the tools you need to make sure that you can uh, develop a strong likelihood of success for those to come after you. Absolutely. And what I say, just like I said, education was normal mm -hmm. for my family, is making educational and financial literacy and wealth generation, <clears throat> wealth creation and protection, and passing it on, making that normal. Mm -hmm. Is that. You know, we'll have cable, so some things are normal. Mobile phone is normal. Yeah. Having cable at home is normal. A life insurance policy should be normal. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's like, well, after I get this, then I'll get this. It's like, nah, cut cut off, you know, you don't have to watch Game of Thrones. Ah, uh, no, not you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> we need Game of Thrones. I a lot of feedback on that. <laughs> but, you know, as far as importance goes, yeah. for your, your, your life and your family's livelihood, is that you can, I'll show you 
how to create anywhere from one to three hundred dollars in income that you can reallocate mm -hmm. towards insurance and retirement plan. Yeah. Based on what you're doing right now, and you won't even feel it. Based on things that you can do with your uh, Commonwealth Edison people's gas, how you mm -hmm. can reduce your heating and electric bills, how you can reduce your mobile bills, how, how you can negotiate. You know, call with the cable company yeah. after two years and say, hey, look, I need a different plan. And those, that'll save you 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I can show you how you can reallocate anywhere from one to $300 a month. And what that'll do is literally shift what's going to happen for the next generation and beyond just to two to $300 a month. That's awesome. That's great. So, Dan, we're going to transition now to the second uh, segment of the show, which okay. is called The Big Five. Five is uh, me asking you five questions that are existential in nature, but they look to get at uh, your motivation, your underlying uh, uh, perspective of the world, uh, so people who are listening could, uh, you know, help to develop their own and help mm -hmm. to fine tune their own as they're going out there looking to help and engage people in social impact work. Uh, these questions, uh, we try to keep the responses down to two minutes, okay. uh, super succinct, so people can get that information, soak it up, and use it as they please. All right. Uh, so the first question is, uh, is what do you think the role of a social adventurist is in creating positive change in the world? The role of a social adventurist. So, number one is to, and I think this is true of, of anybody, is to, to have a, a definition and purpose of yourself. Mm-hmm. Who are you and why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. What's your purpose here on this earth? And when you know that extremely well, then you're able to articulate things from a place of confidence and authenticity where people will be attracted to you and want to follow you and what you're doing. Mm. And so, you know, you, you've got to be grounded in, in your complete purpose. Why did God put you here on this earth? And what do you want your legacy to be? How do you how do you want to be remembered? And so that's mm -hmm. one of the same. But some some people find it easier to approach it from you know at your eulogy. What do you want people to say? And then you can operate from there. Mm -hmm. you know, so that's ultimately your plan. And how do you work towards your plan? Or having that, if, you know, if you've got that communication with God to say, what's my purpose? And oftentimes it uh, it may feel difficult, mm -hmm. if, if not uh, uncomfortable, to to know your exact purpose, but the, the more you work on it and refine it and embrace it, the easier it's going to be. Mm, that's deep. Uh, and I, I guess I have one question for you kind of around it. Uh, do you find that people often do not know their purpose? That's Even correct. as adults? Oh, that's absolutely correct. Okay. And mo mo my experience is that most people don't, <clears throat> don't think about it to that level. So one of the things that I have students do, especially by, uh, high school and college students, mm -hmm. is to literally write a definition of themselves. And so I'll go through a, a whole exercise of, you know, what do you consider a great person? What are traits that you admire? How do you want to be? What do you, again, what would you want instead of your eulogy? Mm -hmm. And then, so I'm old school, I'm like this. So if you would open Webster's Dictionary, now if you were to go to Wikipedia, what would it say? What should it say about you? What do you want it to say about you? Mm -hmm. And the better you can define yourself, the easier life gets. Is that my example for, you know, for goal setting. If you've got a purpose and you know what you're doing, 
saying no becomes a lot easier. I yeah. Said, you know, in, in the movie Friday, I had to smoke and convince Craig to smoke, right? Yeah. Hey, it's Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Versus, so you've got no purpose. Like, no, my purpose is to do this, this, and this. Me saying no to those things becomes a lot easier. Yeah. On a college campus, if, if I know who I am and my definition, then me taking part in some of these activities becomes very easy for me to say no because I know my definition of myself. Mm -hmm. So my, my challenge and advice is write that definition and the consequence is if you don't define yourself, oftentimes your situation will. Yeah. Yep. So you're given a situation, you don't know exactly who you are, what you, you should or shouldn't do, and you go along with the crowd. Yep. And again, that, that little thing that you have in your gut that's saying, I, I shouldn't do it, you know, I say, prayer is you talking to God. The instinct is God talking to you. Mm -hmm. You don't listen to that instinct. And again, the better you define yourself and your purpose, the more instinct is going to speak to you because mm -hmm. you, you've got that clear definition. Okay. Uh, that was a good answer, I, I, honestly. Uh, question two is, uh, why do you believe your work is important? So, on behalf of, of all those who, again, motivate or are about social impact, is trying to make this world a better place. Mm -hmm. uh, literally, you know, I think about my great-grandmother and, again, people before her and people after her, and the effort that they put forth to make sure that this world is a better place, that, that my generation wouldn't have to experience what they did. Mm -hmm. And it is a responsibility for each generation to make sure that the next generation um, is in a better place, particularly as people of color in America, because yep. we've had a foul and disgusting history, and we need to be purposeful about correcting that and enlightening. So doing both things is mm -hmm. enlightening the next generation on what the previous generations went through, and at the same time, making this world a better place so that they don't have to experience some of the things that previous generations have experienced. Absolutely. And I would say uh, it, it takes sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think people know to what extent or what type of sacrifice it actually takes to get there. Oh, completely. And again, that, that, that's why it's important is that it's not, it's not necessarily natural to experience that sacrifice. And that's one of the challenges that I think my generation is trans transitioning into the next generation. Mm -hmm. is that, is that <clears throat> previous generations, for lack of a better term, there, there was not much to lose because we didn't have much, Yeah. period. And so when you're fighting for basic rights, then it's different than, well, I got something pretty cool. I'm pretty comfortable. So if I fight, I may lose something that's valuable to mm -hmm. me. So the notion there to, to fight uh, at the risk of loss for a promotion or being accepted is a lot higher than in our parents' generation, where it's like, now we're fighting for basic rights. Yeah. And so that's why it's even more important right now to continue to fight because the the racism that we experience in America right now is different than it was 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we still need to be as vigilant in eradicating it because it, it's just as harmful. Yep, I agree. And uh, yeah, so uh, I guess my, my third question is, so uh, with all that being said about uh, us preparing for generation that's to come, what do you want your legacy to be? Tough question. Again, that's one of those things that I ask the students to do mm -hmm. and, and people to define is I'd like to say that I made a positive impact uh, for those who encountered me. 
especially directly, is that I enlighten people about who they are, what they can be, mm -hmm. and help them achieve their goals. And equally more important is help them avoid doing something stupid. <laughs> you know, and again, uh, one, the hardest part. Yeah, I mean, I have an example of that from when I was uh, at the grade school on the west side. Uh, I, I was talking about revenge and how one of the quotes, I think it's from Carter Woodson, but I can't recall. Bottom line is that when you plan revenge, dig two graves. Oh, yeah. And so he'd come and uh, he was loosely associated with some uh, gang activity. Mm -hmm. And he had been robbed, and I'm like, dude, let it go. You know, how much did you lose? 20 bucks. I'm like, so, dude, I'll give you 20 bucks. Yeah. And let that go and squash it. And he had the opportunity to get revenge against the, the same folks who robbed him, and he mm -hmm. decided not to. And literally within two minutes of that opportunity for confrontation, police came looking for some, some other people. So bottom line, if they had the confrontation, he probably would have gotten arrested. Yep. You know, had, had a gun. So just, the, again, so the legacy is, in addition to helping people achieve their goals, it is planting that seed of you're awesome, mm -hmm. you're better than your circumstance, oftentimes you're better than your circumstance, and so live up to your potential, not to your situation. Ooh, okay. Uh, so you're doing all this work uh, with young people, with adults. Uh, how has this contributed to your own personal growth? Oh, man, it's phenomenal. So I, when I make an impact, I literally feel great. I sleep better. Mm -hmm. um, things things go a lot more smoothly when I make an impact that, that I know that I can make. I mean, so I get, I know that God has blessed me with certain things. Mm -hmm. And I feel a duty and a responsibility. And sometimes, to be honest with you, Mark, it's almost a burden. And It's obligatory for sure. Right. And so, so another book that I want to write is uh, Blessing Versus Burden. Mm -hmm. And how to shift that mindset, whether it's taking care of a loved one, which was the impetus of it. I've got a mom with Alzheimer's, and I was her primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. But you, you've got, everybody's got certain gifts, and it really is our responsibility to utilize those gifts that God has given us in order to achieve our potential. And I don't want God to be, I, I want God to smile and say, Good job when I meet him. You don't get to the gate and be like, like, get out of here. Right. I gave all this to you, and this is this is all that you did with it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, like, wow, I gave, I, you did more than I expected. That's, yeah. that's what I want to hear. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, one last question for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So the last question is, uh, how have you, with all this being said, I know you kind of touched upon it with the time when you moved back from D.C. to Chicago. Mm -hmm. How do you manage diversity? With like, what are some, and I know it's different from everyone, but I would imagine there are certain uh, activities, actions that are just universal. How do you manage diversity, you know, and, and still keep a positive attitude? So I'm, I'm purposeful about it. And again, having experienced, again, I, I wouldn't say it's clinical depression. Mm -hmm. it, it could have been. I, so I didn't have it medically diagnosed. But, you know, where I know what to do um, as far as health-wise, you know, I've been in much better shape than, I, you know, I've done triathlons. Mm -hmm. and was able to, you know, bench X amount of weight and this, that, and the other, was a health nut and um, would literally sit almost all day and almost be like, I'm not doing anything. I'm watching TV and watching the time go by mm -hmm. and be like, wow, I, I can't believe that I've done that. And so to be purposeful about saying, okay, Dan, get up, Dan, do this, Yeah, here, make this schedule. 
And again, I had those conversations with myself and, and with God about, okay, man, I need to be doing a lot more than I am right now. And so having the, the confidence to, having the confidence to do it is one. And then um, seeing the end in, in sight, knowing that, that it taking my own, so part of it is taking my own advice is some great quotes that I've heard is our, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Oh. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Is that from the, okay, I, I, I got that from Akilah and the Bee. Is that from the movie? I know it's not from the movie. I know right. it's not her, but right. that was quoted in that movie, right? Right, it's, so it's okay. been quoted in Akilah and the Bee. It's been quoted in uh, Coach Carter. Um, it's often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but ah. it's actually uh, Marianne Williamson in her book, A Return to Love. Oh, let's go back to the woman. Hey, the women are the of our society, brother. So, and, and nothing like a strong black woman, so I just do whatever I can to support. Yeah. But yeah, so being, uh, to, sum up, to sum up answering your question about handling adversity is knowing that uh, uh, I'm powerful, mm -hmm. that I am, uh, again, per Marianne Williamson, so who are you to be talented, gorgeous, and, and fabulous? Who are you not to be? Yeah. Is that each of us is, and it, it's up to us to recognize that within ourselves and to operate within and using the, the gifts that God has given us mm -hmm. in order to be as, as good as we can be. And so that's, again, my my responsibility, my, my blessing that, that I shift from being a burden is that I've, I've been blessed with some awesome gifts mm -hmm. and I've got to be purposeful about using them so that I can do the best I can. And, and God's going to say, man, good job, brother. That's uh, awesome. So it's good stuff, Dan. Uh, not really good. going to transition into the last segment which is called 10 toes down sure uh i like to give people who want to begin to do, the, do the work you know an opportunity to go out and you know get their hands dirty and so if you have anything in your network if you're offering opportunities uh, that come from yourself anything that you can share for people to kind of locate and, and get involved uh this is the time to do it oh uh, wow so i just took down a website I'd say a few things that you can do. One, uh, for those who are interested in impacting youth, is contact schools or, or other youth organizations mm -hmm. and see how you can mentor. Uh, whatever you can do, again, where, wherever you are right now, you're going to be a positive influence to somebody. Yeah. Is that, that that's that's number one. Is a lot of us feel like, oh, I need to do this, this, and this before I can go back and be a mentor. Quite the contrary. It's you, you having graduated from grade school to high school in this particular neighborhood, you're automatically going to be a positive influence on somebody mm -hmm. else. So reach back out and see um, who can utilize you. Um, I'm in the process of, um, so one of the ways that you and I connected yep. was I was doing um, some workforce development training for an organization on the west side. Um, I'm actually going to do some a lot more of that, and I'm trying to think of the best way for people to get in touch with me. And I can, yeah, absolutely. I'll take all your information down. What well, stuff you're willing to give, and I can share it when I push it out. Okay. Yeah. So I say, and I'll, I'll put a, a special landing page on uh, metricsforsuccess.net, mm -hmm. and people can go there. And that's the word metrics, F O R success.net. Awesome. And if you're interested in making an impact in, in social, I'll, I'll put a landing page there for you to leave your contact information. Because um, people people need to hear from positive people. Yes. And, um, that's the main thing is is 
start to tell your story and influence other people, I promise you, once you do that, you're going to change your own life. Yep. When, you, when you listen to the advice that you're giving to others, you can't help but to, but, but to be a better person as a result of that. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to share, Dan, that uh, you felt like we didn't cover? Uh... No, I mean, so I, I, can, I, can go, right. <laughs> no. I, I can go on for hours. Okay. So careful, careful what you ask for. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm complete as far as uh, my sharing. Mm -hmm. um, again, some things that I'm, I'm going to start doing, and I'll, I'll put on that website, metricsforsuccess.net. I've done some mastermind groups mm -hmm. to help people get unstuck. I'm putting together one that's uh, private, but I'll do a public one. It's a, a group of black men. It's going to be about 12 of us. We're going to get together. 13. Both. All right. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome to join. So um, to uh, be there as support, mm -hmm. uh, support and leverage for one another is that, and I, this is something I started doing a few years ago, mm -hmm. to have both meaningful meetings with friends because, again, the, the depression thing is real. I've, I've had some very good friends who are strong, phenomenal black men take their own lives. Oh, wow. And it hurt me to the core. Mm -hmm. And I never want that to happen again. Yeah. And so, um, again, reach out on metricsforsuccess.net. I will be doing another one. You're, you're welcome to be part of this one. And um, if you're going through something, reach out. Again, act, do, do, do as I say. And I did ask for help when I was going through it. I didn't do it when I was feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. I, I got myself together, which I don't encourage you to do. I'm saying ask. Yeah. If you're going through something, ask for help. I agree. And um, that's that's the one thing that I'd like to repeat, reiterate, and plead with people. Is please, 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 if you're going through something, reach out for help. That's awesome. No, and I agree. Uh, so uh, all this information will be available to you all when I push the episode out. I do want to thank Dan for coming on, uh, for taking time out. One thing I will share is that Dan's been very patient with me. Uh, <laughs> last time we were scheduled, I lost my keys, couldn't meet with him. But he's super patient. And I think that there's a lot of gems to pull out from this episode and share. Excuse me. So if you're listening, uh, there's a lot in here. So I do want to close out by saying continue to live in kind. What that means to me is that uh, as you're going out into the world, uh, it's easy to uh, not want to give back, to not want to give up yourself. But once you do that, uh, in any capacity, you're making the world a better place. So uh, with that being said, continue to live in kind. Until next time.